Thank you for tuning in to the 102nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Whether you're listening via SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Special guest, Kyle Kelly, uh, goes to school with me here at John Carroll. He does a lot of stuff in sports media. He does a lot of writing. He does a lot of radio. He does a lot of TV. I'm going to talk to him in about 10 to 12 minutes. Going to get a little bit of a summary on his career. Uh, so maybe some interesting questions like, you know, some people he'd like to interview. I always want to ask him that. Uh, he's a big Browns guy. He covers the Browns. Going to talk a lot of Cleveland sports as well and some NFL. Can't wait to have Kyle on. But first, breaking news. Adam Schefter reports, New England Patriots cut Antonio Brown. My first reaction, it wasn't how much of an idiot Antonio Brown is because, well, the last couple weeks he's done everything to make us question his intelligence. We can talk about all the mispractices. We can talk about a couple years ago when he had the Facebook Live in the locker room when the Pittsburgh Steelers were getting ready to play the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. He did it in the divisional round. Sacred, right? He broke all those rules. Him illegally recording John Gruden and then releasing it on YouTube, I believe. But then, you know, the sexual assault allegations happen and nobody, you know, it's off. And uh, what it makes me come down to, you know, and I've said a lot of stuff about Antonio Brown. He's an idiot. He's a clown. And all that stuff may be true. But, you know, the biggest thing that comes to mind is I'm sad. It's sad. You know, it's not funny. It's not something for everybody just to be mad about. It's sad. Because you're seeing somebody who has so much talent, who has so much ability, who has a chance to play in the NFL, a dream that you had, a dream that I had, a dream that every little kid that's ever picked up a football has had. He did it at a really high level. A chance to play with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Football heaven. And it's all gone. Because of himself. Because of himself. You know, you know, in life, there's a lot of people that will try to knock you down, but when you're knocking yourself down, that that doesn't do you any favors. These are the incidents that Antonio Brown has had over the last few months. The cryotherapy frostbite. Helmet grievance, threatened retirement, post fine on Instagram, he yells at Mike Mayock, post Gruden conversation, cut by Raiders, signs of Patriots, sexual assault and misconduct allegations, cut after one game. Antonio Brown, I hope you get your life together. You know, I I don't know what he's going through. But sometimes, you know, there's therapy, there's family, there's friends, there's something. Because right now, it's not looking good for Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown could be squandering a lot of things. We saw how Terrell Owens, a guy that had no off-the-field issues but was considered a locker room cancer, was a third ballot Hall of Famer. And I think most people think, including me, that T.O. is a better football player than Antonio Brown. 
This is the type of stuff that can keep Antonio Brown out of the Hall of Fame. This is the type of stuff that Hall of Fame voters can hold a gripe against you. Not to mention the sexual assault allegations in the more serious nature. You played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe the greatest franchise ever in the history of the NFL. You played with the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden, a very forgiving guy. A new head coach, he's coming back in the NFL. He wants you to be a part of his new program. An iconic franchise in Oakland, the Raiders, right? They get rid of you. Then you go to New England. The greatest dynasty the NFL has ever seen. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they get rid of you. Eventually, first time you get divorced, hey, you can say it was her, right? <laughs> Second time she gets divorced, eh, maybe both of us had a little stuff. We both weren't ready. Third time you get divorced, bro, it's you. It's you. There's drama. There is noise everywhere Antonio Brown goes. Bill Belichick walked out of a press conference Friday. You want to know why? Because he was tired of reporters asking him questions about Antonio Brown. Bill Belichick like, if you have nothing to, to ask me about football-related matters, then I'm out. And Bill Belichick walked out the press conference. This getting cut by the Patriots... It's the kiss of death. When Halle Berry breaks up with you, right? When that supermodel breaks up with you, when the hottest girl in the room breaks up with you. And by the way, she takes problem guys. New England, they've taken an Albert, Albert Hainsworth. They've taken a Chad Ochocinco. They've taken an Aaron Hernandez. They've taken guys with issues. And they decide, okay, this dude, it's too much. Let's just cut him. That's not good. That's not good. Now, briefly, what I do want to talk about is Jamal Adams, safety for the New York Jets. He talked about how he was fine for his hit on Baker Mayfield. Talked about how that's not his brand of football. Even Tom Brady criticized uh, the referees. Uh, there was a roughing the quarterback penalty. A lot of guys like Lewis Riddick, um, Kurt Warner, they criticized the refs. And um, Grant Paulson on Twitter, right? He posts this. 2017 holding calls through two weeks, 119. 2018 holding calls through two weeks, 109. 2019 holding calls through two weeks, 179. Now, I know face value, it is always easy for people to criticize and yell at the refs. It is always easy. The easiest thing, the easiest thing to do is to criticize the coach, say the coach, say the coach sucks, and say the refs don't know what the hell they're doing. Those are very easy things to do. But here's what I'm going to say, right? It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback, right? That's easy. It's easy to be a backseat driver, be a backseat driver or a frontseat driver, co-pilot, right? Say, so you're not doing this. You're not doing that. We've all been there. It's easy for a teacher to give you five hours worth of homework assignments when your teacher doesn't realize that you have six other classes that are doing the same thing. It's very easy to say and do things about and talk about people when you've never been in that position. Right? It's very easy to say LeBron James should take the last shot every time. I think he should. And it's easy for me to say that. But you want to know what? There's a lot of things that go on in the game. 
Things are moving very fast, and then boom, George Hill's open, cutting layup. LeBron, pass, natural movement. Was it the right play? He had Steph Curry isolated on him. I don't know. I would prefer to be shot if he took Steph Curry to the hole, but that's not what happened. It's very easy to criticize athletes, coaches, refs after the fact. It's very, especially when athletes, they're bigger, faster, stronger than ever. They're moving at high speeds, high velocity. Quick, boom, 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 bang. Bing, 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 bing. It's not easy to keep up with. There are times when I'll watch plays on my TV and I'm like, I need to rewatch that. I need to replay that. There are times when I'll see my dad, he's watching a basketball game. He's like, oh, that was a foul. I need to rewatch that. I need to replay that. How do you think the refs are in real time? This isn't easy. This isn't easy stuff to get. You know, the crowd, it's yelling. There's a lot of stuff going on at multiple different times. You have the fans yelling, getting raucous and crazy. They're all, you know, under the influence, right, for the most part. Then you have the players yelling in your face. And then you're told you have to do your job and you have to make every call correctly because everybody's watching you on national TV. And you want to know what? It's being a ref, it's just like being an offensive lineman. Nobody ever remembers that great pancake block you had. Right? But everybody remembers when you get bum-rushed and that D-tackle hits your quarterback. Everybody remembers that. Nobody remembers the great calls a ref makes. Everybody remembers the bad calls a ref makes. Always bad, never good. So I'm going to tell everybody to chill. Chill. Are things good right now? No, not necessarily. But you want to know what? It's the beginning of the season. Right? Everybody's still getting their legs under them. They're still getting used to it. They're still getting back to high-level, high-action football. How would you like it in your work, in your profession? If there's all these people screaming, all these people yelling at you, and you're supposed to do the best. It's not easy. It is not easy. It wouldn't be easy for me to do this podcast right now if I had 20 people yelling at me. And then I had five other people saying, F you, Daryl. You don't know what you're talking about. F you, Daryl. It would cause me to lose a little bit of focus, just a tad bit, just a little bit. It's not easy being. And by the way, the NFL refs aren't paid full time, actually, which is that's a whole nother story. MLB refs are paid full time. So are NBA refs. So why NFL refs aren't paid full-time, I don't know. And you want to know what? When you have a part-time job, you're not going to work as hard as that part-time job if you you had a full-time job. I think we can all agree on that. Now, in terms of Jamal Adams, too, where I do want to go with this about Jamal Adams, his brand of football and him criticizing the refs, a little tad bit of advice for Jamal Adams. Jamal, I love you. One of the best safeties in the NFL. The rules are the rules to protect the quarterback. That is what it is. Do I love it? I was an offensive and defensive lineman in high school. No, I don't necessarily love it, but guess what? The fans, you, you watch the game for the quarterback. You watch the game for the fantasy football highlights. You watch the game to see Patrick Mahomes throw it around the lot. You watch the game to see Tom Brady operate magically. You ask everybody in Cleveland, who's the favorite football player? Guess who they're going to say? Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, wide receiver, quarterback combination. Wow. They're not going to say... Denzel Ward, the cornerback. It's just the way it is. So guess what, Jamal Adams? If you want to play your brand of football, play in the CFL. (laughs) You can play your brand of football. 
You have to confine and conform to the rules of the NFL. You might not like it, but that's the way it has to be. Don't like all the rules of my parents' house, but guess what? Why I obey it? Because it's my parents' house. And if I don't like it, I guess I'm going to have to live somewhere else. And I don't want to live somewhere else. Jamal Adams will not get the notoriety. You will not get the fame. You will not get the money in any other football league besides the NFL. And you have to realize that. And you have to bite the bullet. And are things harder than unfair? Yes. But guess what? Just in life, just like people work, you have to deal with it. Now, come up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kyle Kelly on the show. Come up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Pretty good. Uh, it's been a long day, a lot of homework, but starting to wrap up finally. Something like oh, that. we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Kyle Kelly. He writes for the Browns Wire, waiting for next year. Carol News Sports Editor, and you can follow him on Twitter at by Kelly Kelly at by Kyle Kelly. Yep. Got that right? That's right. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been a kind of a crazy day, but uh, the hours are dwindling down, and Thursday night football will be on tonight, Jags versus Titans. It's always the best one of the year, but uh, it's been a long week. Looking forward to the weekend. Now, you're really big into sports media, so my, my first question for you is, how, how did, what got you into sports, and particularly sports media? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story because in high school, uh, my sophomore year, I was a big Browns fan, so... On my personal Twitter account, uh, with all my high school friends growing up, I would just tweet out about Browns games, and uh, my my friends uh, started unfollowing me. They said I spammed their Twitters too much. So pretty much what I did, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and make a Brown Browns account. So I made a Browns fan fan account. It, it blew up over my high school years. I ended up getting like six, seven thousand followers uh, during my high school career, and um, had a couple. You know, Cleveland sports blogs kind of reach out to me and wanted me to start writing while in high school. So I kind of did that, did some mock drafts. I started with a little um, radio company called NEO Community Radio. They've been bought out since, but I, I did some on-air stuff there as a senior and some writing some Brown stuff and Cavs, and I really enjoyed that. I did some uh, stuff with TV in high school and kind of got my start here. and made my personal professional Twitter account off that Browns account. So that, of course, that account now is by Kyle Kelly, the by, talking about a byline signifying a writer. Um, and that, that Browns account is now at Kyle Kelly NFL. So that's the one that kind of blew up when I was younger and had a lot of the Browns fans uh, following during my high school years. Now you talk about how you're into sports media. Now what's your favorite medium? Is it writing? Journalism, uh, TV. Yeah, it's funny you ask that because grow up or over the last three years, I'd say I I was kind of gung ho on wanting to be a writer, and I, I felt strongly about that. But then I I did a job shadow with WEWS my senior year of high school, and I realized I really liked the TV stuff. But then I came here, and I, I mentioned that I've done a lot of writing, and uh, I, I interned in Toledo this summer, my my hometown at WTOL eleven. And I realized I really like the uh, TV on-air stuff as well. I think kind of the goal moving forward is to be a multimedia journalist, be able to have my hands wet in all platforms or, or in, in kind of, well, not my hands wet, get my feet wet and have my hands in so many different places and uh, so many different platforms. I, I, I feel like with TV, there's still that opportunity to write. 
Um, I know uh, like online writing or uh, writing journalism, they're starting to trend towards putting more broadcast media type video stuff into the stories and stuff like that. So uh, I'm absolutely not counting that out. My dream has always been an NFL beat writer, but uh, you know I, I really I really have a passion for the TV stuff now. I think it's pretty cool. So how about like if I say 15 years from now, Kyle Kelly's like Adam Schefter. That'd be huge. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's my goal. My, my goal is to be on ESPN or uh, The Athletic I absolutely love or Sports Illustrated as an NFL insider. I know it's really far-fetched. I got a long way to go. It's an uphill climb. You know, very few people make it, but when you talk about things you dream about, that's that's certainly my, my biggest goal. Now, and wait, so has Adam, Sch you mentioned Adam Schefter too when I mentioned Adam Schefter, like you guys yeah. kind of like Adam Schefter. Is that like the guy with the gold standard for you? Is that kind of like a guy you look up to and you're like, that's the guy? Yeah, um, nationally, yes. Uh, Peter King is another big one uh, from uh, NBC Sports, was at Sports Illustrated for a while. I love Peter King's work, Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, and uh, Mike Garofolo and Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, all those guys that have those insider roles that have done such a great job writing throughout their career, and it, they did such a good job covering the teams. They, they ended up building a lot of connections, relationships, and that's what made them uh, elevated into the role of this NFL insider. But one person I really admire the work and kind of has my dream job is Jason Lloyd of The Athletic. He did uh, some Cavs beat writer work for a while, and he, he took a chance on The Athletic. He's there now as a managing editor. He gets to write Cavs, Browns, and Indians. He does a lot of on-air stuff in 92.3 The Fan, and he's also on air on, or on TV on WKYC. So that's kind of my dream job. That, the one I really want to strive for that I feel like is realistic, but if I'm shooting for the stars, it's certainly to be sitting on that desk on ESPN for NFL Sunday come countdown. Call it a Kelly bomb, like they do the Woj bomb. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of these days. I, I've got two scoops so far throughout my career, and um, I'm honestly very thankful to break that news. Kind of get a little, get a little rush on it. It's uh, very far and few between, though, at this point. So if you could, I'm going to say this, if you could interview one Cleveland Browns athlete, who would it be? You could pick any of them. It's got to be Baker Mayfield. Honestly, a little bit of a tease here. One goal of mine is maybe before I graduate, depending on how the Browns do, is I actually want to write a book on Baker Mayfield. I just, I don't know if I'm ever going to have the time to do it or if I, I'm going to know how to do it, but I, I think that's one of my, my goals is, is to, you know, eventually throughout my career sometime is to write a book, and I think Baker Mayfield has a tremendous story. What he's brought to the city of Cleveland has been has been awesome. He's a great interview, great guy. Uh, I see a lot of myself in Baker, quite frankly, and uh, I that's a guy that I'd love to interview. But another one is Kevin Love. I absolutely love Kevin Love and uh, what he's done for mental health. It's been a big impact on my life. That's kind of a dream one-on-one -on -one interview I want to do with him and uh, do an in-depth feature story on that. But I don't think. Um, the PR departments of the Browns and Cavs are ready to have a junior college student uh, shoot for their biggest star in a one-on-one -on -one interview. So yeah. I got some work up to do. But the worst they can do is say no, but that is true. That's probably not what they're looking for right now. Now, if I could say one athlete just nationally right now, like from any team that you can interview. It's a good question. I've never really thought about it. I, I primarily think more of a local market sense uh, in terms of Cleveland sports. Um, you know, nationally, I, I think Tom Brady would be pretty cool. 
Uh, LeBron James is, is an obvious one. I think he, he's a guy that would be really neat to sit down with. But just a personal idol growing up is uh, Alex Ovechkin, the Washington Capitals, a guy I followed and throughout my hockey career. I played hockey in high school, and I really liked really liked him growing up. I think it would be cool to kind of sit down with him, talk about his hockey career. So, you know, anytime you're thinking about a, an amazing interview, you know, it, it's always going to be that anyone at the top of their perf- profession or you know, then there's those really charismatic guys, such as, you know, Sean McVay, for example, a guy that would be a really cool interview or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, if I'm really going to look to the national level, those are some of the guys. Well, what do you think it would be like to interview Bill Belichick or Greg Popovich? Um, I would personally enjoy it because it would be a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of the, the people that are covering those teams, the Patriots and Spurs, I mean, they don't really get much out of them, so I don't know how comfortable I would feel in a one-on-one setting with them, trying to get information and try to you know, format a story off that, but I, I think it'd be a really good challenge. Um, I, I think I need a little bit more experience in the interviewing <laughs> and writing department before I did an interview like that. I know those ones are tough, but I, I, I'd, I'd be up for that challenge. My last one about that is, if you could interview any athlete that's retired or is no longer living right now, who would it be? So we have to think, think back. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Wow. Um, I mean, I, there's so many different angles I can go to. I think. I mean, Steve Eiserman is a big one. Detroit Red Wings. I I'm very passionate hockey fan. Red Wings fan. Um, there's so many options. I mean, Bernie Kosar would be cool. Jim Brown. Uh, MLB guys, I, I gotta think Ken Griffey Jr. would be cool. There's so many. There's so many. I mean, I, I, I like I'm so focused on the work I'm doing now. Yeah. I, I haven't been able to focus on what it would be like to, you know, get a, get on that stage. But I honestly, anyone in the NFL would be cool. Any of the Hall of Famers, Brett Favre, or um, you know Vince Lombardi, that would be incredible. And, you know, any of the the kind of the historians of the game of any sport. I'd love to interview O.J. Simpson. That would be that'd be one heck of an interview. That's all I will say. Yeah, okay. uh, his Twitter account makes me laugh. Uh, now, talk, you're a big Browns fan, and you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your expectations for the Browns this year? There was a lot of talk about the Browns. They got blown up by Tennessee. Then they beat the Jets. I personally think they're kind of somewhere in between those those, those two landscapes. Yeah, right. How do you feel about the Browns? Yeah, uh, going into the season, I. Expectations were certainly high, except especially with me personally. I I had kind of thought that I I really thought there was a chance that he'd go sixteen and zero. I'm not even joking when I say that. Just because of the amount of talent they had on their team, I I certainly wasn't predicting that in any way, shape, or form. But I I thought there was a very slim, very 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 slim chance of that happening. Obviously, that that it was unlikely and it, it's not possible now. Uh, but where I kind of see the Browns is certainly, I, I thought before Ben Roethlisberger going down, I think they were going to be competing for the wild card. I, I thought the Steelers were going to absolutely own that division. Uh, they got kind of beat pretty bad against New England on Sunday night football in week one. Now they, of course, Big Ben's out for the season. The Ravens are on, on fire. I'm really interested to see what Lamar Jackson and Baltimore does against Kansas City this week. But um, it, it kind of my... What I saw with this team, I think a wild card team was um, 
a realistic uh, expectation for them. I, I predicted a 10 and six record. I still think that's obtainable. They got a tough stretch coming up here. They got the Patriots, 49ers. They got the Ravens, all on slate here. Rams Sunday Night yeah, Football. Exactly. So they got a, a very tough schedule coming up, and we're going to find out a lot about this team over the next five weeks. And you mentioned that you were so excited for the Browns this year. It's part of that, too, because I feel it's like it's the energy that Baker Mayfield brings. Talk about that. like Just like the expectations he's brought from Cleveland to being kind of a losing franchise to everybody having hope and being like, he's a guy we can all rally behind, and he's a guy that can get the job done. Yeah, Baker Mayfield's uh, incredible. I mean, not only as a football player, but his personality and what he's brought to the city of Cleveland. I think it's been really special what he's been able to do. Quite frankly, he's probably the best Browns player they've had besides Joe Thomas since return in 99, especially with the importance he's brought to the city and the team. Uh, I just you, you can tell as soon as he kind of got the opportunity to play last year against the Jets and coming out there on Thursday Night Football, he was a guy that, uh, I mean, everyone just kind of just, you know, I guess it's um, a word I'm looking for, like kind of a magnetic force. Uh, kind of, they kind of pulled towards him. You know, his charisma, his charisma, yeah, his energy. Yeah, Baker's a guy that, I mean, you he says a jump, you say how high and how many times you want me to jump. And he's a guy that you know, is just really meant to be with the Browns. Without him, I don't think we're ever talking about the Browns being a legitimate Super Bowl uh, contender. The, the Browns, they they need a, a kind of guy like Baker Mayfield to rebuild this team and uh, change the chemistry and everything on this team. And he's certainly done that. I'm a little bit concerned with how he's played here within the first two weeks. But uh, it's a new offensive coordinator. The offense is a little bit similar. Uh, well, nearly similar to last year when Freddie Kitchens was operating it. Certainly he's... He's doing the same thing this year, but Todd Munkin is, uh, you know, giving his his thoughts towards the offense as well. So a little bit of change from that aspect. So I I'm a little bit concerned how we started, but I, I think that there's still 14 games left, and uh, the Browns are really talented. So I think there's some things they can do yet. Now you mentioned about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know they're kind of out the picture right now for the AFC North. Nobody's worried about the Bengals. It's really the Ravens and the Browns right now. Who would you say is going to win the division? I, my gut feeling is the Ravens. If you just look at the way Lamar Jackson's played, it's been unbelievable. That defense is really tough. Uh, Marquise Brown's had an incredible first two games as a rookie. Um, I just don't think the Browns are. I think the Browns are pretty close to being ready, but I, I don't think they're there yet. I mean, the Ravens are still young too, with at the quarterback position with Lamar Jackson, who's drafted in the same draft class as Baker Mayfield. But the Ravens have been there before. They've won two Super Bowls in the time the Browns have been back in Cleveland for the second time. And uh, it, veteran coach, veteran organization. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Ozzie Newsom was there for a while, and then now Eric DaCosta is the GM, a guy that was under Ozzie Newsom for a while. So they've been there and done it before. They know how to get there. They, I mean, they know what they know what it takes. The Browns are the complete opposite. They, they're kind of like a newborn. They're finding their way. They're trying to figure out you know the best path to get there. You know. It, what's going to happen the rest of the season? Who knows? But I, I think my gut feeling tells me right now that the Ravens are going to going to take away this AFC AFC North division, but the Browns are going to be a close second. How big do you think the rivalry between Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson could be, like the next five six years? Yeah, it really depends on how sustainable uh, both kind of the I guess their the positives of the career last. I mean, I. 
Uh, Lamar Jackson's been really good. Is that sustainable uh, for the next five years? I don't know. I mean, Baker Mayfield has been really good, but then you look at the first two weeks this year, and you got to just you know briefly wonder is you know is he going to be an elite quarterback or is he going to be really really good? I still am under the impression Baker's going to be um, elite. I think Lamar Jackson has shown he can be elite. Uh, I, I think this year we're really going to get a little bit of a taste of what it could be like to have an in-division rival with two great teams and two great quarterbacks for, for years to come and with you know two former Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. Now, if I say who's the best team in the NFL, give me a name. Best team in the NFL right now. I mean, it's got to be the Patriots, no doubt about it. They they just keep getting better every year. I don't know how it's possible. I don't know how it's sustainable. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, the Chiefs are an obvious close second. What Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, absolutely incredible talent. I don't – I mean, I've only been, quote-unquote, covering the NFL for five years now. I, I watch a lot of football. I've never seen a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I know people that have covered the football – covered football for almost 50 years. They've never seen a guy like Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, I think that Kansas City is going to give them a run for their money. It, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, Antonio Brown over the next couple of weeks. Is he going to be a piece of that team? But with or without him, the Patriots are still hands out the best team in the NFL. Patrick Holmes does stuff that I look at and I was like, I saw kids do that in high school. <laughs> and now that he's doing it on the NFL and you never thought. No look passes, just the way the ball flies out of his hands. It's special. Now, worst team in the NFL. Uh, it's not even a question. It's the Miami Dolphins. I'm actually looking at my phone right now. They just benched uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Josh Rosen. Rosen, and I see they just cleaned Taco Charlton from the Cowboys. So that's an interesting move. A young guy they can bring in there and you know, see what he's got before the season ends. He's got 14 games left, a former first-round pick. Certainly, if you're a team like Miami, that's a guy you want to take a waiver on. But I, it, Miami is just... They're not good this year. They they're on pace to be one of the worst football teams in NFL history, right up there with the cat or the Lions and Browns. Uh, they they don't look good. That that's all I'm gonna say. Now is Eli Manning? He's just been just Eli Manning a Hall of Famer in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you look at the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, and Eli Manning is his credentials are absolutely right up there to be to be in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, obviously, over the last couple of years of his career, it hasn't been the, the sharpest, but when you look at some of the Hall of Famers, yes, they, they were the absolute best at their game during their prime, but towards the end of some of their careers, they, they weren't always playing at their, their best their ability. I mean, guys, they, they, they start to tailor off. It's just the nature of the game, nature of being an athlete. And although Eli Manning was never a, a consistent top three NFL quarterback with Tom Brady and Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and those guys. He's certainly a guy that when you look over the the last you know fifteen years or so, you can't talk about football without mentioning Eli Manning. And do you think, and that's true too, because some people realize part of the being Hall of Famous. Can you tell the story of football without mentioning that person? You can't tell the story of football without mentioning Eli Manning. No. But also, do you think the more we see what the Patriots are doing, what Belichick and Brady are doing, it's like okay, Eli had to be pretty damn good to beat these guys twice. Like <laughs> the yeah. more. I mean, I, I just think that really t- uh, Tom Coughlin, he just, I mean, he he had him figured out. I mean, he, he beat him twice, and even he's an executive with the Jaguars now. And Jacksonville, I mean, for other than a couple other years, they, 
they gave the Patriots their their toughest game in the AFC Championship. Of course, last year with the Chiefs was uh, an absolute classic, but I think Coughlin just had not figured out, and Eli Manning obviously was uh, spectacular in those games, us the two MVPs, but any time you can take down the Patriots, man, you're really good, obviously, and Eli Manning's got that going for him, you know, twice. Now, Tom, I'm going to ask you a couple quick rapid-fire questions, so I'm going to get you out of here. Where were you when the Cavs won the NBA Finals? That was probably one of the best days of my life, actually, and um, I was in the queue, now Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. They, they had everything stripped down for the RNC, but they still had a, uh, a watch party, and I was with my dad, one of my best friends from high school, and my brothers, and... Just absolutely tremendous. It was the best, one of the best days of my life, and that's what, honestly, it was going into my freshman year of college, or no, my senior year of high it was school. It one of my freshman year of college. Yeah, yeah. so the, that's what literally cemented me, like, this is what I want to do for a career. I want to be able to someday cover a championship team. Where were you when LeBron left Cleveland? Um... The first time or the second time? Let's do the first time. First time I was watching my family room in third grade. I remember that. <laughs> I don't know where I was. Oh, I was on vacation the second time with my girlfriend, actually. And I remember Tom Withers of the Associated Press was the first one to tweet it. Uh, he had tweeted that, the press release from it. So uh, everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah. But where Now, where were you when LeBron came back to Cleveland? In my room, at home, actually. I was... <laughs> It was kind of funny, during high school I always thought I was going to be a journalist, so I, I always felt like I needed to be on top of everything when, you know, realistically there's 15,000 other people doing it at the same time. Why do I need to do it? But I was scrolling through Twitter, refreshing, refreshing. I had ESPN Sports Center on, and I remember uh, Chris Broussard and Brian Winhurst and Jay Crawford actually were on set, and they came back from the break, and LeBron's mural of him throwing up the powder was on the screen. It said breaking news, LeBron James is signing X amount of years for X amount of money with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it just undoubtedly one of the, the best days of my life. And where were you when J.R. Smith dribbled the ball, passed the ball back out to LeBron? <laughs> I had also at my house, I was in my, this was, was this 2018? 27. It was the summer. It was the summer. I remember this. Summer I was working right after school. Summer. Uh, anyway, I, I was with my friends in my basement. I, it was fun, funny during the, the Cavs. Kind of big time runs over those years. I, me and my friends, we used to have Cavs watch parties at my house in Toledo in the basement. I was with a couple buddies of mine. And I just remember me and my friend Chase, who, who was with me, uh, when we went to go watch the, the watch party. We literally stood here with it's gonna make for bad podcasting, but with our hands on our head and like what just happened, and I I remember that one too. Where were you when the Cleveland Indians lost in Game Seven, extra innings against the Chicago Cubs? Also at home in my room, I was watching that game. I remember um, I actually had school the next day. It was like a half day or something, and I I just remember being in school all day and like just looking at my iPad during class, like what happened. I a mean, WTF I'm, moment. <laughs> Indians fan, I'm a Tigers fan, but I, I still follow the Indians a lot, being in Cleveland and everything, and uh, I, I was really pulling for the Indians that year. I was planning to go to the parade because I missed the Cavs parade, so uh, it was definitely a, a, a down one. 
And my last question for you is, what's Golden State Warrior do you hate the most? I don't really want to say I hate anyone, but I really don't like Steph Curry. Just because he, he was the guy that really orchestrated the whole Warriors championship. He, he's the, the foreman of, of that, that team being built. And uh, he ultimately took, I think, three championships now, I want to say. Right? Three championships for the Warriors. They went back-to-back. Back yeah, he has three. They won that, that first one. Yeah, two with KD. Yeah, yeah three. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, it's just a very sour taste in my mouth. Steph Curry. See, I get a lot of Draymond answers. A lot of Draymond answers. But Draymond's easy to say. Yeah, that, that's exactly. easy. <laughs> I, I respect the hell out of Steph's game. I think he's the best three-point shooter of all time. I don't think it's even an argument. Um and but I, I just dislike him for that aspect. But if he was traded to the Cavs today, I'd absolutely love him. Well, he was born in Akron, just like LeBron. Yes, he was. That's true. Kyle, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you having me on. Let me highlight my career a little bit. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and I again want to thank Kyle Kelly for coming on the show. Thought he was a really interesting interview, really interesting guest. Hope to have him on again. Uh, is I know he's going to do big things, uh, and I can't wait till maybe a couple years from now, maybe actually 10, 12 years from now, when I look at my Twitter timeline, right, and I get those notifications when breaking news happens, I get a, a Kelly bomb, a Kelly bomb, you know, kind of like a Woj bomb for the NBA or when Adam Schefter reports breaking news all the time in the NFL. That's what I'm looking for, and that's what I expect Kyle to be doing. Great guy, knows what he's doing. Uh, and a great and a great resource. Love Kyle. Now, I want to talk about this because this is something that I just heard. Uh, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN recently reported the Warriors are a big threat to land the Greek freak should he hit free agency in 2021. Oh, damn. When you think the NBA can't get any more crazy. I, I remember... Uh, this was my the summer of me going into my freshman year of college, and I remember this was around like July 4th time, you know, early July, really early July, and I hear breaking news, and it's Kevin Durant signs with the Golden State Warriors, and I'm like, holy crap, what is going on? So after that happened, I made a personal rule for myself, and it's a personal rule you should adopt to when it comes to the NBA. Always expect the unexpected. Kawhi Leonard basically masterminded a plan to get Paul George to the Clippers. LeBron James left Cleveland, went to Miami, then came back again, then left Cleveland to go to L.A., and I never would have thought LeBron James would end up as an L.A. Laker. Always expect the unexpected. Could you imagine Giannis? Like, this is basically like, you have the same guys, Kevin Durant, like, same build, both seven-footer, athletic, and get to the hole. Of course, Giannis isn't in the same dimension as Kevin Durant when it comes to being a shooter, you know, mid-range. Point club, all that, but Giannis is still a top top four, top five player in the NBA. You can make nervous. Giannis is better than Kevin Durant at this moment, and we all know Giannis Antetokounmpo represents defensively as he was top three in the NBA defensive voting last year. So if, if this happens, I'm just gonna say put this on the lookout too, because Ramona Shelburne, she's a reporter that knows her stuff, especially out west with teams like the Lakers, the Warriors, Clippers. Places she does, she's very plugged in, connected to. I would pay attention to this report, and I wouldn't just snub at it. This isn't like the LeBron of the Warriors report a couple years ago. I think this report has a little bit of validity, and I think if the Bucks bow out in the second round, because I, I I think what's interesting too is Giannis on a similar arc to LeBron was first time Cleveland, right? 
2009, what happens? LeBron James, and actually, let's go back. 2008, conference semis. LeBron goes game seven, loses to the Boston Celtics. They end up winning the whole thing, right? LeBron James and Paul Pierce, they have that epic duel like in game seven. Really competitive. Giannis, a couple years ago, plays the Boston Celtics, ironically. Loses in seven games. Now, here's what LeBron does the following year, 2009. Has his first MVP season. What does Giannis do the next year? Giannis has his first MVP season. Both guys had the number one seed in the NBA. I mean, they had the best record in the NBA, both teams, both guys. Both, both their teams had the best record in the NBA, and both of them won MVP. And both of them got to the conference finals. LeBron James got to the conference finals. He swept Detroit in the first round. And I believe, if my memory is serving me correctly, he swept Atlanta or something like that in the second round. And Giannis swept, swept the Pistons. Too, that not that funny? Giannis swept the Pistons and then beats the brakes off the Celtics in the second round. And then they both kind of get exposed, you know? The Cleveland Cavaliers lose to Dwight Howard and the Orlando Magic in six games. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, they lose to the Toronto Raptors in six games. So there's a lot of parodies and a lot of things going on here that are similar. Then we get to the following year, which is where Giannis is right now. And this is similar to Giannis. When free agency news is swirling around in the media, fans, everybody's talking about it, media members alike. What will LeBron do? Will LeBron leave Cleveland? Will LeBron team up with Dwayne Wade? Will LeBron team up with Cody? Will LeBron team up with Katie? What's LeBron doing? Giannis reports, right? Giannis to the Warriors. Giannis to the Knicks. Giannis to the Nets. All this stuff about Giannis. I think Giannis is going to have another MVP year, just like how LeBron did in 2010. I also think Giannis is going to lose, whether it be in the conference finals or the conference semifinals, and he's going to lose pre-NBA finals. And I think this is going to is going to be what really starts the rumblings. Will Giannis stay in Milwaukee? So I think it's interesting. It's my theory, and I think it's something that we should be on the lookout for. And now it's time for a little crazy, lazy, or maybe saying Steady Bridgewater and Taysom Hill will both play quarterback after Drew Brees' injury. We'll approach this game with two quarterbacks. Saints head coach Sean Payton said Wednesday per ESPN's Mike Triplett. Look, these guys have been here now for two seasons. It's just kind of taking a step back and looking at the things we want to do with those guys in the game plan and putting that plan in place this week in practice. Maybe this is what Sean Payton needs to do. You're going to have Taysom Hill. He's going to be your change of pace guy. You're going to start Teddy Bridgewater, and it's going to be able to, you know, change up the defense a little bit. And I know there's the argument that people have made. You want Teddy to get the full reps of quarterback, but Teddy Bridgewater is not Drew Brees, folks. You have Teddy in. He's the thrower. You have Taysom Hill. He's the dual threat. It kind of switches it up. And also for defenses, for the team that's going to play them, they have to prepare for both two different quarterbacks, two different offenses. And I think that's something to take into account. Giants, Eli Manning says he has to accept new role as backup QB to rookie quarterback Daniel Jones. I'm not dying, and the season's not over. There's a lot to be positive about, a lot to be grateful for. I just have to accept my new role and make the best of it, Manning told reporters. Lazy. Eli, hate to tell you this, bud, but uh, 
you know when the end's near, you know, when everybody has that moment when they're looking at the light and they're like, the light is kind of like, it's my time. The, the light came for Eli. The light should have come for Eli about four or five years ago because Eli's been playing, been playing like trash. But now it's there and now it's time for Eli to accept his role, be a backup, be a mentor. But, oh, Eli, is it the end of the world? Kind of. I mean, you're no longer the Giants quarterback and he kind of threw a hissy fit and then the coach fired up. Your former head coach, and you started again. Jerry Colangelo, Team USA would have won 2019 FIBA World Cup without injuries. I believe that if we didn't have those injuries, we would have won, Colangelo told Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated. The injuries were just too much to absorb. Crazy. Listen. The United States, even with the injuries, they had the best team, they have the best basketball players. They brought their C team, they had the most talented team, right? Don't give me injuries. Don't give me Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. You guys got seventh. Seventh. Right? No, that's not getting the job done. Don't give me injuries. Bernard Hopkins. Manny Pacquiao probably breaks my record of fights into his 50s? Back in July, Pacquiao turned back the clock when he won a 12-round unanimous decision over undefeated Keith Thurman to capture the WBA welterweight title. Hopkins said about the fight, as he fought till about the age of 51, he said when he was knocked out by light heavyweight contender Joe Smith, but now Hopkins holds the record for the oldest fighter to win a world title at 49 years old. He also won world titles at 46 and 48. I'm going to go crazy. There is no way that Manny Pacquiao was fighting into his 50s. I don't believe that. I also don't believe that he'll be competitive. I think the welterweight division is very tough. I, there's a couple of guys there that are very good. I do not think Pacquiao can keep this pace up, even though when I when I saw him fight Keith Thurman, he looked great. And he, he beat the, the you-know-what out of Keith Thurman. It was kind of embarrassing. Melvin Gordon says, no one in L.A. cares about the Chargers? Gordon told his Instagram followers, he was going to play somewhere this season, and it would be a waste of talent if he didn't. But then he threw an uppercut at the jaw of the Chargers franchise when discussing the team's 2018 performance. Gordon said the team went 12-4 in route to the postseason, and the season was good, but nobody, fans in LA, really cared. Maybe. Melvin Gordon has a point. There are a lot of things to do in L.A. There's the women, there's the beach, there's the sun, there's the clubs. Not to mention the sports franchises. You have the Los Angeles Lakers, the L.A. Dodgers, the L.A. Angels, the L.A. Clippers. You have USA, USC football. You have UCLA basketball, right? <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to do in L.A. Not even that. You have the L.A. Galaxy, the soccer team, the L.A. Kings, hockey. So much to do in L.A. And besides, there's also L.A. Rams. So much more, so much more life, so much more entertainment to do in L.A. Besides... Watch the Chargers. New York Senator Kevin Parker proposes bill to pay college athletes. After California passed a bill that would allow athletes to profit from their names and likeness, New York is attempting to take up legislation that would take that standard one step further. New York State Senator Kevin Parker proposed a similar bill earlier this week, but then added an amendment that would require college athletic departments to get 15% of a share of annual revenue to student-athletes, according to Dan Murphy of ESPN. It's about equality, Parker said. These young people are aiding, are adding their skill, talent, and labor to these universities. You don't need the shortcuts at the end around because now we're providing some real support for these student-athletes. 
I'm going to go lazy. Now, now, <clears throat> and I don't have the full, and I probably should, so I'm talking a little bit right now, but here's what I would say. Uh, you're giving 15% to all the college athletes because, right, and I've always said this, there's only two sports that generate any real revenue. <clears throat> Men's college basketball and college football and a tiny tad, a shrimp bit of women's college basketball, Division One. Besides that, they're, you know, wrestling, swimming, um, soccer, field hockey. Those sports are not generating the revenue. So I, I want to know how they're going to divvy up this 50%, and I think that's really interesting. Doc Rivers talks Clippers recruitment of Kawhi Leonard and trade for Paul George. An interview with Arish Merzaka of the Los Angeles Times, Rivers noted that the Oklahoma City Thunder originally rejected the Clippers trade offer for Paul George, which nearly led to Leonard returning to the Toronto Raptors or signing with the Los Angeles Lakers. The day of the trade at 12 noon, the deal was off. I was at home in Malibu and Clippers, president of basketball operations, Lawrence Frank called me in and told me, it looks like he's either going to Toronto or the Lakers. The Lakers part just threw me over. I told him that can't happen. I remember I kept telling him, we cannot allow that to happen. I actually told Clippers owner Steve Ballmer, joking that if that happens, we're moving the team to Seattle. It was a joke, but I was actually serious about it. I really believed it. Crazy. You know, it's it's funny, right? Uh, everybody was talking about all these reports where Kawhi's could potentially go back to the Raptors. Kawhi's going to go to the Lakers. They're going to form the big three. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, the three best players in the NBA, all on the same team, right? But here's what, what's interesting. When Kawhi ended up going to the Clippers, the team nobody thought, everybody was like, right? Kawhi's not going. Kawhi's not going. And people were talking about how Kawhi and his Uncle Dennis's agent kind of played the media. But maybe that's not what happened. Maybe what happened is Kawhi said to the Clippers, hey, listen. Listen, bro, I'm going to the Clippers. If you can get me Paul George, if you can't get me, I'm going to Toronto or I'm going to the Lakers. And the Clippers ended up getting it done, and that's all she wrote there. Antonio Brown, no longer a Nike athlete amid sexual assault allegations. Crazy, you know, and I'm just still all with the whole Antonio Brown getting cut too. It, it, it's just sad, and you can't have an athlete that's had this much going on represent your brand, which is Nike, you have kids. Uh, you have college athletes, you have a lot of people, you have moms that want to get their kids Nike stuff and they're not necessarily going to be as, you know, responded to that when you see the type of stuff that Antonio Brown has done and all the sexual assault and rape allegations. Jalen Ramsey rumors, Jaguars owner, Shad Khan, willing to give cornerback a big contract? Ian Rappaport of NFL Network noted Friday that Khan loves Ramsey, though it's unclear if the relationship between the player and the team can be salvaged. Crazy. Isn't it funny, right? This just makes no sense to me. Jalen one minute's like, I'm out of Jacksonville. They said some disrespectful-ish. And now what Jalen's saying, and now what Shaq Khan's like, you know what? After watching on Thursday Night Football, Jalen Ramsey's pretty damn good. Jalen Ramsey can play. Let's keep Jalen. It's funny how it all works out. Warrior Stephen Curry says, I wish we could still play with Kevin Durant. Curry told ESPN's Rachel Nicholas that he was flying to New York City to check in with KD when news broke that he decided to link up with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. At the end of the day, we live in an age where choice, choice is our, our front door. And K, you know, made a decision for himself. And you can't argue that. I wish we could still play with K. He's an unbelievable talent. 
unbelievable person, we accomplished a lot together. But you know, things have changed a little bit. So you obviously wish him the best. Obviously, with his, his full recovery and foremost and foremost and things on and off the court, but we're gonna have to battle down the road. So this should be fun, new experience on that front too. Maybe Steph's kind of having a little bit of buyer's remorse. Like, you know, maybe we could have done more to make KD feel, uh, you know, with us. You know, more of a teammate. You know, man, you know, maybe we should have appreciated more of the good times. But, you know, it's kind of like still like we're still going to battle. Uh, we can't wait to see him. It's kind of like that. And it's nice to see. And that's it for crazy, lazy, or maybe. And cut up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to talk about how Saxonville is back. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. Uh, I'm going to cut the pot a little bit early today. Nobody has a problem with that. Uh, but I do want to say this. Saxonville is back. Love to say that, man. I picked I picked the Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC South. If you haven't listened to me and my friend Jason Navarro, we did an NFL preview show. We went division by division. About we go like I think the Thursday, Wednesday maybe before the NFL season, we did that and released that episode. Maybe we even recorded on a Tuesday. Neither here nor there though. Everybody was like, "Damn, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars! Come on!" It was like they have Nick Foles. He was a Super Bowl MVP. And then Nick Foles went down in Week One, and I'm like, "Crap." Then they got him. There's another rookie quarterback. I'm forgetting his name. Right, Minshaw. Minshaw. Minshew. Minshew. See, Caleb helped correct me. Minshew. The second. Minshew. Is that his name? Minshew the second. He does have two on his jersey. Okay, Minshew the second. I, I see. I think he's from he's from Washington State. Uh, six round pick. It was a lot better than I thought he was. He was throwing the ball great, especially in the first quarter when the Jaguars went up 14-0 against the Tennessee Titans. But at first when I was looking at Jacksonville too, it's like the Chiefs put up 40 points. But then I look at this deeper. The Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and that offense, that explosive offense led by Andy Reid, they're going to put up 40 on a lot of teams. So it's not that big of a deal. Then we look at their second game. Texans, right? It's Minshew's the second. It's his first start. You know, get his nerves under him. There's a little bit of controversy. Jalen Ramsey's yelling at Doug Marone, right? You know, uh, tempers are flaring. So they lose that game, 12 to 13. Then they come in Thursday night football and kick you know what and take it to the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans team that blew the doors off the Browns, by the way. The Jaguars defense dominated. 12 tackles for loss, nine sacks. Josh Allen, linebacker, pass rusher, played phenomenal. You got Calais Campbell, who was a man. It's Steve Smith Jr., one of my favorite commentators on the NFL Network. He was like, you know you know what? Tennessee Titans in their meeting room, offensive line meeting room, they're going to get their butts chewed out because they're going to be like, Glaze Campbell went up on the center, blew his butt back, went up on the guard, blew his butt back, and then went to the tackle and said, hey, let me put that swim move on you, bro. And he killed the quarterback. And Marcus Moriota didn't play that well either. But I'm feeling strong now about my Jaguars pick again. I'm feeling myself a little bit. Go Jaguars. And I hope Jalen Ramsey stays because Jalen Ramsey is truly phenomenal talent, especially with him and Boye on the outside. Phenomenal. 
Thank you for tuning into this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, the 102nd ever episode. I want to thank again Kyle Kelly for coming on. I really appreciate the guy coming on, uh, spending some time out of his very busy schedule. He stayed with me even a little bit longer than he could have. We could have had a longer interview, but as Kyle told me, traffic was a disaster. It's always like that here at John Carroll. But thank you for tuning into this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. <laughs>